Hear that? That's the sound of a patient whose health data is protected from a cyber attack. And that, that's the sound of a financial system that's digitally secured from bad actors. Right now, there's an invisible war being fought on a digital battlefield that impacts what we do every day. That's why at Paraton, we do the can't be done to help protect the vital systems we rely on. Because if we don't, the alternative is unimaginable. Paraton. Connoisseur podcast. I'm Matt, and as and I'm Jamie. <laughs> there we go. She got it. She... <laughs> so, so Jamie, the the question that everybody has been asking: Did we continue our streak of good movies? We had uh, the Prince. We had uh, Zombievers, two in a row that were good. Did the streak continue? We have High Lane tonight. It's a um, a French film that was dubbed uh, on Netflix. Um, so that's always fun to watch a dubbed film. Um, but <laughs> that, that apparently took place in Croatia. In Croatia. I, I, I'm not. I I want to say that they made a mention of something something about being in Croatia. They did. They, you know. Okay. They actually one thing that's kind of funny in the side. I always watch um, these movies with the subtitle with the um the English subtitles for listening purposes. Uh-huh. Um, you know, just so I can I can you know if I miss anything, it kind of keeps me. I do tuned. the same thing. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if you noticed in this one when uh, one of the pers- one of the characters said Zagreb, it was spelled Z A G R A P E, Zagreb, or Zagreb. <laughs> so <laughs> I thought that was pretty great. I don't know who does the uh, the English subtitles. Maybe they have something that tries to do it automatically. But it's uh, there, Don yeah, Phonics. That's that's the capital of Croatia, everyone. Zagreb, Zagreb. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say that our streak is still solid. I, I'm going to say yes to. I, I thought this was pretty good. I did too. I the the ending for me it it started to devolve into um, uh well no, I want to say well worn territory but it was a little bit stuff that we've seen before um but yeah, it's like wrong turn yes meet, um wrong turn was the first thing that came to my head it was like mm-hmm. a Croatian wrong turn yes um but I mean you could also see elements of like Texas Chainsaw mm-hmm. or um. I I tend to – that one's a little bit different because maybe it's closer to Hills Have Eyes. Yeah. Um, Those are two that Brian brought up, and I think probably more so Hills Have Eyes than Texas Chainsaw because what I said is that in Texas Chainsaw, the family, even though they are dysfunctional and crazy as hell and cannibalistic, they – still manage to be somewhat a part of society in that Mm -hmm. they have a business and, and, you know, no one really – no one, everyone knows about them, but – 
you know, no one necessarily knows exactly what's going on behind the scenes. They're actually functional members of society for the most part, not all of them, but for, <laughs> for the most part. Mm -hmm. Whereas like in Hills Have Eyes, they're completely reclusive right. and, you know, just kind of crazy in wrong turn. They're completely reclusive. And, and, and also in both of those, they're, uh, they're mutants, right. which this guy didn't appear to be a mutant, but um, he was very strange in that he, um, I think the story was that he was kidnapped when he was five. Mm -hmm. So he has, he doesn't speak, you know, right. he just roars a lot, which <laughs> I thought was kind of interesting. And yeah. I was like, well, for him to be so backwoodsy and, and he, all, he doesn't speak and all of that, he does wear clothes and he does seem to have, like he has a crossbow. So he understands how things work. Mm -hmm. um, so it, he's kind of an interesting character. But anyway, yeah, this is stuff that we've seen before. But I like the way this was done. I think it was really pretty. We got a lot of beautiful yes. scenery here mm -hmm. during the rock climbing stuff. Now, you are a rock climber. I am. I am. How, how did they do as far as technicalities go? Because that's not my field at all. Well, so, well, so what, I stay on the ground where I'm safer. <laughs> yeah, so this was a unique one because um, one thing that they did is they were using hiking sneakers. Uh huh. I did saw that. It's all yeah. So I know from my own experience with hiking sneakers. When I first got into hiking, that's all I had were hiking sneakers. And I can say the moment you start to go on any kind of rock of any sort, your feet will fall off immediately. Uh, they are horrible as far as traction goes. Um, that's what I was kind of. And we actually got some close-up shots yes. of them using their feet. Yeah. Which is how I noticed that's what they were wearing. Yeah. I'm like, that doesn't seem. Right, especially since in a lot of these, a lot of their situations, they were, uh, I mean, like there was the one guy, Fred, who was like free climbing yeah. quite a bit because um, he is apparently like he's supposed to be the, uh, like he's the best one. Right. And he was the leader of this group and he brought them to this place on purpose. And he made mention of how in the future he had all these plans to go all to these mm -hmm. different places. So this is clearly something that he does all the time. Right. So... I was. I thought it was interesting. It, that I noticed the footwear too. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was one thing. I mean, you, 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 the way you would normally do something like this, which is sort of like a combination exercise, where you're 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 climbing and hiking, kind of in a comp, you know, doing both. Uh, the way you normally would try something like this is you you'd carry both. You'd have your your hiking shoes with you, your hiking boots, and then you'd have your climbing shoes, or yeah. you would have a good pair of just really good hiking boots. That that's what you would do the bulk of it with if you could um but uh you know i mean because a lot of it too was just kind of going on the rocks but there, there were aspects of it that, that the film really was able to capture um and the biggest aspect of it for me um like luke is kind of luke is almost like even though as as a, a human being he's not he's very reprehensible right the luke character who's the one that's mm -hmm. like the novice um but this movie does a good job of making luke be us so we, we have one person that we can really identify with and say, boy, that's what it would be like for me if I had to go up there. Because um, even though I have experience climbing, um, I, I only had slightly more than probably Luke's character did. Um, you know, like the kind of things that they were doing, um, the rope bridge, you know, that, mm -hmm. like, that kind of stuff. Like I've had, I've never had experience with, with that exactly. And so I would be feeling the same way Luke did. But, um, you know, the other thing, too, is the Fred character really strikes. He, he kind of reminded me a bit of my friend Mark, only my friend Mark wasn't as, is, isn't as bad as that guy. Um, but, you know, the Fred character being the one that gets people into trouble. You know, he takes them <laughs> on hikes that they shouldn't take. He uh, expects people to be able to do things that they aren't quite capable of doing. Um, 
and so so you know there there were a lot of and and, and just that 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 sense of um, the remoteness and the height, the danger of being on the rocks there. Um, one thing that that really imparts for me, um, you know, I, I've been on some ones that, you know, have either gone wrong, um, you know, not to this extent, of course, but, you know, you've been somewhere you're stranded for a bit and you have to figure out how you're going to get out of it. Um, and, and there is a sense that, like, you're trapped, that you are a prisoner in this situation, that the area is so remote that you're a prisoner. Uh, maybe you've been hiking and you hike in a really far distance and you don't see anybody else. Um, there's also kind of a sense that you're a prisoner because you can't just get back to you know the car to everything right away you you have to go through you know if you're if you're 20 miles out you've got to go 20 miles back to get to the car um and and there's almost like this sense that like you're a prisoner and um i i've read accounts of people who've been held hostage or things like that and like when they see birds and things like that there's a weird interaction because the bird can just fly away and come back um and and you have that feeling and and so this film really captured that at the beginning it really captured that sense of what it's like to be out in that remote area um, to have things go wrong, um, even when things go right, you still feel like you're a prisoner of the of the circumstance. But yet, there's reasons why you do it because you can see the really great uh, landscapes. Um, right, there's a thrill. Yeah. It also kind of reminded me of the descent mm -hmm. in a lot of ways, and I don't know if you ever saw that. If you have not, then uh, you should check it out. It's a Neil Marshall film, the same guy who did Dog Soldiers, and um, it is excellent. Um, really, I mean, it's just. It, the first part of that film it has it goes deeper than this and there's other stuff going on but the first part of it deals strictly with uh, this, this group of women who goes spelunking mm -hmm. and it's harrowing I mean it's just because they're in these caverns and the reason it reminds me of this is because the one who led them there knows full well that they shouldn't be there right um, she doesn't actually have the – no one has – she knows for a fact no one has ever been in these caverns before, mm -hmm. but she tells them that, yes, they're safe, people have been there all the time, you know, that kind of thing. So she misleads them yes. because she wants to do this, and she knows right. that no one else would go along with it if she told them the truth, kind of like Fred yes. here when he's like, yeah, I knew the passage was closed, but I wanted to do this. So, yeah. you know, I just said, yeah, it's all good. Right. So um, that's why it reminds me of that. But um, – yeah, it's it's. I've never seen the descent, but yeah, you know, um, you know, not to get on my my friend Mark too much because he's a he's a really great friend and he's really great about you know one thing that that um, Fred reminded me too about Mark was that when things were going wrong on the hikes, he took he took you know took care of business you know like right, like right. he helped out uh, his girlfriend right away when the rope bridge snapped you know he took care of business but there is sometimes a sense of like. Ooh, boy, this is a little bit too adventurous. Or this this trip, you know. <laughs> and and notice me. Remember, he made that comment about Luke having the pack. Like, boy, what are you yes. packing for? Right. That's that's one thing. About Mark. Oh, uh, it, certain. There is a sort of um, a movement in the hiking community, and 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 Mark is deaf. My friend Mark is definitely a part of that. And I I am to a lesser extent, but the idea that lighter is better. You you everything you pack that you don't need is more stress on you. Um, oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. And so you, you have that. I mean, it's hard enough. I mean, if you have just the essentials and you're going out for a while, your pack could weigh 30, 40 pounds. Right. Uh, depending on how long you're going to be gone and how much you need to be prepared for. Right. But when you're doing something like this, you can't have that extra weight because, right. I mean, you're already stressing your body enough pulling yourself, like mm -hmm. pulling your own weight right. up the rock. Any little bit of any little bit that you add to it is only going to tire you out faster, or basically it could end up killing you because you'll be too exhausted. Right. Um, kind of like when Luke was when they told him to just to clip his belt 
uh, you know, hang from his, to clip his, damn it, yeah. to clip to the rung and then hang from his belt mm-hmm. so and let his arms rest because he was going to tear him tire himself out yeah. and he was just gripping on you know because he was so terrified and they're like just relax dude you're gonna wear right. yourself out and he's like no right uh, i mean i can understand that like <laughs> i get it you just saw this bridge go out <laughs> so uh, yeah hanging on for dear life you know yeah. for me the most harrowing experience i've ever had as far as the outdoors goes is when i got lost in the botanical gardens when <laughs> 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 and now this was actually pretty scary because Botanical Gardens was huge, Mm -hmm. and it got dark. Oh, yes. And once it gets dark, the the park is closed at dark. But we had gone so far in, and somehow we didn't make it back to the end of the trail by the time it got dark. And then we lost the trail. Like, we couldn't see anything. So we're wandering from tree to tree with little lighters trying to find the markers on the trees, trying to find mm-hmm. our way back. And we were wandering around the botanical gardens for about four hours. I mean, and we ended up completely off trail. We were like hiking these steep hills and we had to climb over. We had to scale this, this like, it was like a nine foot fence mm-hmm. to, to try to get back through. I don't know how we got off that far off course, but it was just because it was so dark. And we had two Labrador puppies with us. Oh, jeez. That by the time we were even halfway through, I ended up carrying mine because she was so exhausted. I mean, she was a tiny little puppy. She didn't have that kind of energy to go for <laughs> to do what we were doing all day. So, mm-hmm. like, I ended up carrying the dog and trying to find <laughs> trying to find markers with a lighter. And that is probably the most harrowing experience I've ever had in the wilderness, and that's not even really that bad. I mean, but but you you but you can at least identify because like when you finally got out, when you finally got out, there's a feeling like you've been released from captivity oh, or something. Yeah, I mean there yeah. was there was truly more than one moment when we were just like we're going to have to spend the night here. We can't yes. get out. Yeah, there's no way out, and um we because. We just we couldn't find anything. We're just wandering in the woods, and I'm like, we're gonna have to wait till daylight. There's no way we can get out of here, and it that was scary because it was you know you're it was night in the woods. We were not prepared to be there. Like I love camping and all that, but we weren't prepared to camp. We had nothing, mm-hmm. and um, and I didn't want to spend the night in the woods. You know? Yeah, no. So the moment when we finally hit, I rem- I mean, I still remember this when we finally hit the gravel of the little road that runs along the side, the service road. Yeah. When we finally found a service road and our feet went from grass to gravel, we knew at that moment that it may be another hour before we get back to the car because we didn't know exactly where we were still, but mm-hmm. we were on civilized yes. property. Then it was just like, oh, thank God, you mm-hmm. know. So, yeah, I mean, so I can multiply that by a whole bunch and – get a, a sense of what it feels like to be in their situation yeah and, and i that's what i thought was so amazing about the beginning of this was that it really had that it's right now too <laughs> oh, yes it, it what did you, oh I, you got disconnected for a second i said i sound like such a wuss right now no too. no oh, it because because <laughs> no because that, that's what it is is that this movie plays upon that feeling um and i think it does a really great job of ramping that up and then i think it just decides you know at what, you know, wherever you know, wherever that mark was, I guess it was like the 40, 45 minute mark. Where, wherever we get the plot twist, um, they decided like that was enough that they they couldn't do that to us for ninety minutes that we'd get bored of it. Which I don't know if we ever would have gotten bored of it, but I guess from a storytelling standpoint, they felt that would be. But what I liked was that they kind of 
they they it was almost like a a, a a passing of the baton from our two forms of fear, right? It's a, oh yeah. At the same time that Luke's like hanging in his carabiner, which that is the worst, is that when he gets told, just trust it, just really back in the carabiner thing, and he does, and it falls off. That the the rope yeah. starts to fall off, but that happens at the same time that Fred gets caught in a bear trap, which is which, the, by the way, looked amazing. Yes. That, that bear trap look i mean it hurt me i was like looking at it through my fingertips because yeah. it just because you know how in every time someone gets caught in a trap in a movie and their friend tries to help them out and they start prying it open every single time it snaps back like mm-hmm. you're i'm always waiting for that snap back yeah. so like i'm watching it through my fingers waiting <laughs> for her to pry it and open and for it to snap back and i was yeah. like it looks so bad and mm-hmm. um well i mean it looked good but it looked so painful mm-hmm. um so i think that that was done really well. Actually, I think all the effects were done really well. We didn't get a lot of them, but what we did, they were good. Um, yeah, I think everything looked... I believed it, and I felt like I was right there with them. Yeah, I, I didn't think there was anything that was enhanced by computers. There was no, you know, I mean, even the, 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 the stunts that were being done up high like that, it looked they looked good, they, you know, they looked real. Um, I, you know, I don't necessarily think that they had people hanging, necess- you know, from you know to their death potentially, but it it the whole thing looked good. It didn't look like they were in there wasn't like a green screen or something like that. Brian pointed out one part. It was when the rope bridge snapped and the mm-hmm. cables kind of came whistling back past oh, the camera. Yes, yes. And he said that looked really digital yes. uh, to him. I hadn't noticed it because I wasn't paying that close attention at that time. You know, right then at that second, but um, I. You know, I can forgive it. Yeah. That. I don't. I don't really care. Uh, you know, if you dig- digitize some cables, I'm not gonna right. be upset about that. But um, no, I was pretty impressed. And at first, I thought the dubbing was gonna be bad. Me too. Um, and then I was. By the time we got through it, I could. I kind of forgot about it. Yeah, I, on my phone here, I actually have the message I was about to type to you this morning about, like, <laughs> well, it's like, like, did you watch the movie yet? Because I can't do this. It's dubbed, you know? And, and then I just kind of gave it a few minutes, and it was like, okay, you know what? It's, you know, I, I there, there's obviously, there's a version out there that's French with English subtitles. Um, and, you know, Netflix do, generally doesn't do this. Um, I remember it was at uh, uh, The Horde, right? La Horde, mm-hmm. that we did. That one wasn't dubbed. That one was in French. Yeah, um, typically they will give you the at least give you the option yeah uh, but for the most part they do subtitles and i usually and given the option i will choose subtitles over over dubbing because dubbing is usually just so bad yeah and uh, first for the first few minutes here i was like ah (laughs) i hate it just because it's so obvious like the the scene where in the very beginning of the movie they're gathering together for a group picture Mm -hmm. she's like come on take the photo and then you can hear them in the background no no i don't want to and this one's like photo op man and i'm like really i i can't i don't even know how you do that stuff with a straight face when you're in a recording booth like how do you as a dubber do this stuff and take it seriously but then you know i let it go gave it a gave it a little time and before i knew it i just was kind of into it so it didn't bother me at all i mean i still knew but it didn't draw me out of the story it didn't distract me Mm -hmm. and um it didn't seem goofy. Like it really even um, sometimes when when there's a dubbing, you can tell because when they're screaming or something like that, it almost sounds like they're trying not to scream really loud. Like they're trying <laughs> yeah. not to 
because they're not actually outside. Like they're trying to, you know, oh no. Um, <laughs> but this one, I really felt like they were, you know, going all in. Um, there's one scene, and it's when Luke is coming across the bridge. And he's like, just do it, just do it, you know, to himself, trying to get himself to move across the bridge. Right. That part right there stuck out because the actor's lips did not seem to be moving. Yes. And then Luke is talking to himself. And I thought, well, that's kind of weird looking. But yeah. other than that, I just sort of went with it. And, you know, it was okay. Yeah, I, I mean, I think once the, the, the rock climbing takes it, you know, takes hold, once we start getting that, that sort of that peril – I mean, I mean, some of those things that they were doing, like the whole thing with the steps on the side of the rock and being clipped into the cable as you go across, like, like to me, like that just isn't not, you know, even for me as someone who climbs, that's not my idea of a good time. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, one thing I, one thing that I wondered about is he told them about three times before they got to the bridge, look, once we get to the bridge, there is no going back. Right. There's no way to climb down from here. We have to go all the way to the gondola. There's no – I mean, he said it like three times. There's no going back. And then he even told Luke, he's like, are you sure? You can meet us down. You can meet us at the bottom yeah. if you don't want to go across here because there's no going back. Well, then after they all get across and the bridge goes out, then Luke is like, you mean to tell me there's no other way down? I'm like, dude, he told you that like right. three times. Yeah. And then they're trying to decide, what do we do? How do we get down? You know, where? And and I'm thinking, well, you do what you always planned to do because yeah. this was always part of the plan. Whether the bridge is out or not right. doesn't matter at this point yes. because you're across the bridge, and your plan was never to go back across the bridge. You don't need that bridge anymore for right. your intents and purposes. Yeah. You just continue on about with the, what you were doing. Everyone survived. It's not like anyone was injured at this point or dead so i'm not sure what the hang-up is here <laughs> the, your plan as it was when you set out this morning is still perfectly in motion yeah that's what i was trying to figure out because I, I see i was wondering if maybe they were planning on doing an out and back and they were telling luke like listen luke if you cross the bridge you have to cross it that's the only way to go back if you cross it once but he said but he said the um, gondola but he did mention the gondola he, he did said, yeah okay. in the very beginning he's yeah. like you know there's I mean, that's the impression I got anyway, is that they were going to be ending up in a different place from where they started. Mm -hmm. um, so, or going down a different way from how they went. Basically, I didn't get the impression they were backtracking. Maybe right. I misunderstood, but that's not, it's not the impression I got. So I was thinking, well, and then, yeah, and then after they're across there and they're talking about it, he's like, we just, we have to make it to the gondola before dark. I was like, yeah. okay, so clearly you know. That there's a way to do that. Right. Why are we having this conversation? Just yes. go. <laughs> yes, I agree. I mean, I mean, for me, I thought, yeah, the, the the gondola thing. I did, you know, it did. I did understand about, you know, not doing the gondola. The the other thing is, um, that you know that that Fred guy, um, his friends kind of, you know, they they let Fred lead them into situations. Um, but the whole thing with Luke, where he's like, you can go back and meet us at the car. Like that is, you, you know. You can just go back and meet us at the car. How is Luke going to get back and meet them at the car? Yeah. What is he going to? They, yeah. There's. They're going to give him a rope so he can rappel down that rock that got back to the car. You know, he wasn't going to be able to go back, and so that's a, that's a you know that's the worst thing. You know, that always happens. You know, like when people are high, you know, like hey, you can just go. You know, because because Fred Fred's mindset is I'm doing this. I'm not letting Luke prevent right. me from. You're doing not going to get in my way. Yeah, I need this feather in my cap. I need this one. I need to 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 
you know, check this one off my list. I, and, and I don't care who I have to take with me. The reality is probably Fred and Karen could have done this trip by themselves, the two of them. They didn't need to take everybody else with them. Um, but uh, I guess, what was it, William is the bald guy. I think he, he had some experiences, so maybe they wanted him around. Um, and Chloe maybe does this kind of thing for, for Karen, so that's why they brought her. But, you know, it seemed like, like Karen is, was cool. She had a good um, rapport with Fred. But, you know, you, you really, it's one of the things, like, when you do a big trip like that, you need to go into it. You know, Fred broke rule number one, and that was he didn't know his, the experience of his people, or he, he figured he could get them through it, you know, despite mm -hmm. the experience. Um, yes, yeah, so it was, it was all, you know, it was, but you know, you, you, you know, it. the moment you see the sign, that says the, the, the trails closed and he decides to go for it anyway, that, uh, the whole thing's going to be sauteed in wrong sauce. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's one thing you learn from watching horror movies is obey the signs. Yes. You obey the signs and you don't make fun of the locals. Those are yes. two, those are two rules that you need if you're in an unfamiliar situation, mm -hmm. a fish out of water situation, if you're traveling through the sticks anywhere, yeah, um, through the mountains or through the woods or through the, you know any kind of redneck country. You never make fun of the locals, right? And you always if some if if a sign says that you know something is dangerous or bridges out or road is closed, then you go another way. You yeah. just figure that out. Unless, of course, you figure it might have been put there as a detour by the cannibalistic rednecks, you know, then maybe you shouldn't do it. But I don't yeah. know. I guess it's a judgment call. No, because <laughs> right, because the detour was put there to keep you away from the cannibalistic right, rednecks. That, yeah, and like in yeah. this situation, if they had followed the de right. if they had followed that sign, they would not have been in the situation they were in at all. This is the, this is the, 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 the kind of the most uh, unique situation in that um they. The sign, maybe the sign was in in, in, in in Croatian. Maybe they couldn't read what it said, but it's perhaps the sign said, uh, don't go in there because a lot of other hikers have gone up there and not come back. And so that's it. No more going up there. Um, and you get the sense that's why they decided to close that trail is because, you know, <laughs> when, when too many people are dying, you, you close the trail. You know, that's what you do. Um and so that's that's why they probably closed it. And 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 what that means, of course, is too when it, when a when a um a trail is closed, it's no longer maintained. And mm -hmm. so when it's no longer maintained, the the cables on the rope bridge, uh, the cables that uh, the you know the the, the metal uh, steps that, that surround the rocks, that the, the the cable that you you hook into, all of that stuff is not going to be cared for. Um, you know, you have park people that go in there with their equipment. You know, they usually use uh, their own ropes and whatnot, and they rappel down with their tools, and they do repairs. They keep they keep everything in good shape. So if the if the the trail hasn't been used for a good amount of time, and you're relying on it for things like this, um, you know, there's a trail that my friend Mark and I take. Um, there's a, a, a peak in New Hampshire called Owl's Head, and it's uh, one of the 4,000-footers in New Hampshire, which uh, people listening from Colorado right now, you can laugh all you want at us for our 4,000-footers <laughs> with your 14 your but, um, but no, that's... Nah, a, they're too busy laughing at me by the botanical that, Well, yeah, so <laughs> I, well, I, you know, I've done, I've done some 14ers out there in Colorado, and they have kicked my ass, so I, 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 I am willing to let them laugh all they want at my 4,000-footers. Um... But uh, but one of the Owl's Head has a trail to it that is not an official trail, um, so it, that means it's not maintained by the Park Service. Um, what what's happened is there are some people who have adopted this mountain because uh, it's it's so remote. It takes ten miles just to get to it, um, so you, you, or it's, it's like nine miles to get to it. So it's like an eighteen mile day. But because 
the nine miles are pretty much flat until you get to the actual peak itself. It's a, it's a, it's an e it's doable uh, for, to do it all in one day, which is what we did. Um, but when you get to it, the the trail itself, it is you know it's it's just what it is. But because we're not relying on things to to hike up the trail, we're just relying on our feet to go up the trail. Um, it's okay, right? We know what we're doing with it. Um, but I think if it was an unmaintained trail and we had to rely on things like cables, um, that's mm -hmm. a different story, you know. That's 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 not that's not safe. And so, you know, this is Fred. This is Fred. He thinks he can take he can do anything. He wants to have a, this feather in his cap. And um, you know, it it, it it's it, 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 I think it's the thing that allowed us as the viewer to say uh, to divorce ourselves a little bit from the situation, uh, so that we could um. I don't want to say point our fingers at the crew and, and give them an I told you so, but there is always something about it that um, I, I guess maybe as horror f people, we need to um, be able to feel like we have some out. Like this couldn't necessarily, you know, we, 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 we imagine what it's like for the people, but also we can tell ourselves this would not happen to me, you know. I, I would have been smart enough and not allowed this guy to get me. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> um, that kind of reminds me of, I just read this story this morning about this man in Texas <laughs> who was um, at a, um, I think it was a lake or, or some body of water, and there were signs posted that there was no swimming because of alligators. Right. And um, he actually said, according to the police officer that was on the scene, uh, he actually said, fuck that alligator, and then jumped into the water and almost immediately started screaming for help. Yes. And he was killed right. by this alligator. And I'm sitting here reading this article going, am I supposed to feel sorry for this guy? Yeah. Because I kind of don't. No. You know, I mean, if you are, I mean, not only are you flouting the, the, just the rule. I mean, they outright said alligators. It's not just, right. you know. It wasn't no written swimming. in Croatian either. It was in English. No, it was in English. <laughs> it was no swimming alligators. And you're like, <laughs> and you, the words, fuck the alligator come out of your mouth right before you dive into the water mm -hmm. then i'm sorry that's darwinism at work you get what you get yeah i don't feel sorry for you because you're an arrogant bastard and it's like those people who keep going swimming in north carolina even though there have been eight shark attacks yeah in like two weeks and I'm like get out of the water hey what is it gonna take yeah, I grew up near the beach. I grew up the, every every summer. I look forward, you know, when I especially when I lived in Maine. I, every summer, I look forward to going to the beach, swimming in the beach. But if somebody told me that there were sharks in the water, I would say, "Well, this year I'm going in the pool." You know? Yeah, my ass is staying on. Yeah. I love the ocean. I yeah. love, love, love the ocean. But if there had been seven previous shark attacks, yeah, in just a matter of weeks in this area, my ass is staying on the beach. There's no question about it. I'm just because I'm not a moron because right. I'm not going to tempt fate because I don't have that. It's not going to happen to me. I mean, right. it's going to happen to anyone, yes. anyone who puts themselves in that situation. It doesn't matter your experience. It doesn't matter because the sharks don't care about your experience. Right. That alligator didn't care about how that guy's experience. No. And this mountain didn't give a shit about Fred's experience. Well, <laughs> so and, and, you know, that's the thing with the mountain um, that makes the mountain. And I guess it, it, on some level it makes Anton a different kind of villain, right? Because he's a human. Um, and, and for the most part, you feel like he can't be reasoned with. But that's the thing. You know, you can't reason with a shark. You can't reason with an alligator. And you can't reason with a mountain. 
right? These things that they, you know, like just like in, in your situation with the botanical gardens, you can't reason with the trails in the botanical gardens. You can't reason with the dark. Uh, you can't say, oh, come on now, you know, because the dark's not going to say, oh, okay, all right, let me lighten up for you and you can see the trail, you know, and, and <laughs> you know, the, the rock's not going to say, oh, you know what, let me flatten out a little bit for you and you can go over it, you know what I mean? It's it's there and you have to deal with it and, and it can be really frustrating, it can be really nerve-wracking, it can be scary, um, and so, yeah, I, I think that's what makes the, the nature such uh, a frightening villain and such a real villain because you can't reason with it. Yeah, well, that's an excellent point. And apparently, you can't always reason with humans either. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. Yes. Anton didn't didn't seem to have too many shits to give about what they thought. <laughs> no. Um, no, he didn't. I would like to talk for a second about Chloe and yes. how badass she became mm-hmm. at the end. Um, we get great. Okay, Luke, I, I wanted to string him up. Yes. When he kicked William in the face and knocked him down into the cellar, basically planning to leave him there to die, mm-hmm. um, and tries attempts to take Chloe with him because it's clear throughout the entire movie Luke has had this real problem with William. He obviously is in love with Chloe. Mm-hmm. He's got this whole thing going on anyway, and he was kind of a dick about it. Yes. And then he goes and just kicks the guy in the face and, and with the intent to let him die. And I'm like, that is a dick move, you know. Mm-hmm. Because um, he knows, at this point, he knows that they are in the lair of this crazy mountain man. Mm-hmm. And if he leaves him there, he's going to die. There have They've seen severed heads. They've seen, you know, their friends get killed. There is no question what's going to happen to anyone who's left here. So it's not like he's, he can say, oh, I didn't know he would kill him. You know, no, he knew. Mm-hmm. So he his, and then he just runs. <laughs> now, he does come back. Right. Which... Oh, it makes me, it puts me in a little bit of a quandary because I'm like, damn it, he did come back. And then, but I don't know if that's enough. Like, but, I don't know if that's enough. But who enough did he come me. back for? Who he came he... back for Chloe. Right. I guess he, yeah, he still probably would have said fuck William. But, yeah. um, and then of course later he's hanging off a cliff and William's gripping him and I knew he was going to drop his ass. I knew it. Yeah. Um, I'm just like, and I don't know if I blame him. I'm like, no. you just kicked me in the face down yes. there trying to leave me to die. I, I probably would drop you off the side of the mountain. Well, and, and, and what's interesting, too, is the way that th- that was one area where the dubbing was really good because the guy who was doing William's voice did a really great job of infusing that with a little bit of uh, fake uh Fake. Uh, oh, oh no! Oh no! He's oh, no. slipping. He's slipping. Oh, oh no! It, oh, was, no. <laughs> it was really good the way he said that. It was. Uh... It was, and the look on his face mm-hmm. was classic because yes. Chloe couldn't see his face as no. he's hanging over the side of the cliff, yeah. looking dead in Luke's face right as he drops him, and yes. I'm like, oh, that was awesome. Yeah. Um, and only to then get an arrow to the back of the head <laughs> two minutes later, yes. um, when Anton catches up to him. But then this is the part I love. All right. Uh, William and Chloe are hugging because he's trying to comfort her because right. Luke has just gone off the side of the cliff. Mm-hmm. And, and he then gets an arrow in the back of the head mm-hmm. uh, via Anton from across the way. Chloe sees this, and she takes off running. Now, I think I am in love with this misdirection here. It's just a brief moment of misdirection with the camera work where it appears that she is running away. Mm-hmm from him which would be what you would do uh, in, in a situation like this only we get then another angle we get the angle of Anton as he's attempting to reload his his um, put a new bolt in his thing his mm-hmm. 
thing. <laughs> his thing. Oh, the crossbow. The crossbow. The crossbow. Yes. <laughs> He's trying to put a new bolt in his crossbow, and then she just comes out of nowhere and attacks him. So, and she just goes like ape shit on him. Like she is beating the crap out of him, and I love that because. Mm-hmm. For one second, it looked like she was running away, but no, she was actually running to him. She is like, I am going to kill you, motherfucker. Yeah, That's I've had it. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, I will take you apart with my bare hands. And, I mean, you could see the rage on her face, and you could just see the adrenaline mm-hmm. pumping through her veins. I just, I was in love with her at that moment. Yeah, didn't you I get was, a sense that there was a little bit of that in her? Um, there were a couple times where... You know, we, we always felt like Fred was in control, but there were a couple of times where, where Chloe was the one who said, no, no, this is what we're going to do. You know, we're going to do this. So we're going, you know. Um, oh, yeah. When Luke was coming across the bridge and he froze, yeah. Chloe was the one that went out and said, Luke, come to me. Come, You know, she yes. calmed him down. She got him to move forward. So it was clear that she had, and there was, you know, when, when he was hanging off the side of the mountain after they told him to clip his, you know, hang mm-hmm. from his belt and he wouldn't do it. And she's trying to get him to relax. I think it was clear that she had a level head, mm-hmm. that uh, she, it was not out of character for her to take charge of a situation, to mm-hmm. Or, you know, to at least keep a level head throughout a a stressful situation. So, yeah, I mean, I can see that she was a strong character pretty much through the whole thing. And then when she unleashed herself on this guy, I was just, I was so excited. It was good. I was so excited. I just, I love her. I love her right now. She is the best. Yeah. And she wasn't taking any more crap. No. (laughs) Just, (laughs) um. That was just brilliant, and um, I, th- I think really well done. Yeah, I I liked that stuff. I I liked a lot of that, and um, I I, I you know um, of course they. What's interesting is she is a doctor, right? I think she's a doctor, not a not a nurse. Her character. Yeah, I, th- that's the one thing I wasn't quite sure about was those flashback scenes. Yeah. And I was hoping maybe you got something that I didn't because I think I must have missed something. I, I got the sense that something happened where as she, when she was a, as a doctor where she somebody died under her care, um, and it was either because she did something wrong, or she could have she she didn't do as much as she could, or she thought she let let somebody down. Um, I'm not sure what happened there, but um, but yeah, so because you know she has a chance to kill Anton at the end there. And um, he's and helpless. She should have done it. Yeah. She should have done it. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. I mean, I know it looked for all the world like he wasn't going to make it, but I'm always. It, I, I deliver that final blow. I'm not walking away from that killer until I know he's dead. Mm-hmm. Um, I have, to, if I have to set him on fire. I will. Yes. Personally, I probably would have kicked his ass off the side of the mountain. I think that's a better way to go. But um, I just. I was like, what are you doing? Don't walk away. I mean, just, you yep. know. Yeah, yeah, not good. And then good. as we see. And then comes the other thing. The one last thing that I have issue with is as she's ziplining across the, which looked really fun. Mm-hmm. She's ziplining back across the bridge there, or where the bridge was. Um, then we see him pull out his knife, and because and, he's not dead, and he's clearly going to follow her. Mm-hmm. But, and then, you you know, you get the... You hear the snapping of the cable. What exactly did he do? Because I don't know what the hell, unless he had a Ginsu knife. Right. I don't see him being able to slice through a steel cable. Yeah, did he cut where it was 
Did he cut? It was attached to a tree, and he cut the tree. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I don't. I mean, he didn't. Yeah. They didn't actually show us. Yeah. What he did. It's just you sort of got the impression that he made the cable snap, or that it was you know maybe you pried heard open the, the cable belts, snap the bolts. Know. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I, um, we saw the knife in his hand one second, and then like you heard it the next second, and you yeah. heard it drop. And I'm like, what? There's no way you cut that cable. Yeah. I mean, I'm not buying that for a second. Mm-hmm. So I guess it's just sort of meant to be ambiguous, maybe. Um, we do know that she wasn't found, that the only body they did find was Luke. Luke. At the bottom, from when he fell off the side of the mountain. So everyone else was never found. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I think is kind of, you know, I, I like the bleakness of that ending. You know, Anton yeah. is apparently still out there. And mm-hmm. um, she, even though she was a badass and even though she was quite the heroine at the end and, and yeah. I was loving her character for that, in the end it didn't really do her any good. Right. And so that's sad because I, I really liked her character. But at the same time, you know, it's. I mean, we we get a, these days we get a lot of nihilistic endings where it's like you know, everybody dies. You know, and sometimes I think that can be a little over the top. I'm mean, just because we get a, we've gotten a lot of them, especially in the horror genre lately. There's just been a big push toward no happy endings. We're like in the '80s. Everything had a happy ending, right. and it, you know there was always the final girl or say. whatever. Yeah. Um, Nowadays, it's people have kind of turned toward the bleaker endings, which is is a lot of times a good thing. Um, I think used sparingly, it can make for a really effective film. Mm-hmm. If you care about the characters just right, if things fall into place just right, and you end it like that, it can really affect you on an emotional level, and I think that's a good thing. Here, I think it worked. I think um, uh, it made me really sad but and that's what it's supposed to do I mean it wasn't crying or anything right. but I was like damn it you know <laughs> it's kind of like when I'm watching Game of Thrones and the most often heard phrase around our house while watching Game of Thrones is oh man I liked her mm-hmm. or oh man I liked him because yeah. someone's always getting killed and it's always someone that I like right and that's kind of like the, the that's kind of like the response I had at the end of this movie. I was like, "Oh man, I liked her." Mm-hmm. So, um, but I think that I think I'm okay with the ending the way it is. You know, I think it uh, it's and then it sort of leaves it open, um, so that there is still something sinister out there, and people will still continue to disappear. Well, yeah. What I liked about the ending too was that um, I thought they played it right the way they did it. Um, I think, like you said, the nihilistic ending, sometimes it could just be nihilistic for the sake of being nihilistic. But, right. you know, this one, you know, they, they get out of the cabin, they escape, and you feel like, okay, they're they're getting somewhere. They're, they're you know, the, the sun's out, right? There's always that sense that once you hit the daylight that you're, you're safe. Um, yes. So, so it, this film took a lot of what we think of, I don't know if you want to call them tropes or, 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 or mainstays of horror films, and this film took a lot of those and kind of played with our own, um, how do you want to say, our own um, like our expectations. expectations, exactly. What we, we expect to happen just from seeing, you know, they almost like, it was almost like it was, that, that ending was really for horror fans. Uh, people who've seen a lot of horror movies to say like, okay, it's daylight, they've made it. Okay, it's this part, they've made it, they've made it. And it turned out there was never any they made it. it there was it never quite got there 
but they gave us all of the goalposts that we would expect to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, you're absolutely right about the daylight, too, because I even noticed, I was like, wow, it's already daylight. Um, I was like, it's light outside. How is it day- daylight already? And then I said, well, I guess it was because uh, all that time that they were hanging in the basement, you know, before they made the escape, I guess that was pretty much all night. Mm-hmm. And there is a sense of relief that comes with the daylight, regardless of the situation. Yeah. It, you know, with like for instance, with vampires, there's a reason yes. that daylight that daylight makes you feel better because mm-hmm. they're not going to get you in the daylight. Yeah. You know, with a werewolf, they're not going to get you in the daylight because they change with the full moon. So mm-hmm. if the moon is down, then they're no longer a werewolf. But in any situation, somehow daylight always makes it better. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever I've been frightened, I mean, there have been times like when I lived alone that I would watch something that would freak me out or something. And then I have a very vivid imagination. And, you know, the least little sound, and I'm like, what, what, what? You know, um, and there have been a couple of nights in my life, like maybe when I was a kid or even not so much kid when I have freaked myself out to the point that I couldn't sleep Mm -hmm. and I would end up staying up until the break of dawn and then once daylight hit then I would be able to go to sleep because it things just aren't God, this episode should be called like Jamie is a pussy Um, (laughs) no but it's a good point it is it's a good point like everybody you know you, you, you feel better. Like, once the daylight, once yeah. the light comes and you can see everything, you feel better. You feel like you've made it. And this film, the way Luke especially, because Luke is the one who's outside when the daylight hits. Um, when, when Luke's outside when the daylight hits, I think the way he reacts to the daylight, like, a, like there's a sense of relief, I think it really kind of pervades everything in the film. And, 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 and like, you said, like you said, it plays on our own uh, expectations and our own feelings about daylight. That, like, oh, it's safer now. And, you know, I, 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 see, for me, it's always been kind of the different one for me where if I, um, if I can't sleep at night, when, the light, when, when it suddenly becomes daylight, I feel like, oh, no, what happened? I didn't, you know, I didn't make it. I missed it. I missed it, and now it's daylight. <laughs> now I'm in trouble, you know. And, uh, when I hear those birds they're, um, in, in Maine, they're chickadees. That make this little noise, and um, I actually I, I bought Jen a little chickadee, um, uh, stuffed chickadee at, at in Maine at when I was there one time, and um, it it has inside of it a little uh, box that you can press it, and it will play the, the 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 sound that a chickadee makes. And so I remember, like, if I'd be with my friends, we'd be playing video games. <laughs> you know, uh, four thirty, five o'clock in the morning rolled around, you start to hear the chickadees. That you knew you you would you would you had done it. You would you would you you were oh, you're gonna I have know. a yeah. I know what that's like. I mean, being a teenager, like, you'd end up staying up till... And we would always, like, our goal was to get to bed before we heard the birds. Yes. Because it's like, it's like, yeah, you want to stay up late and you're having fun or whatever. But I did not want to stay up so late that it became daylight. Because then you'd end up sleeping late, and I didn't Mm want to do that. I never liked sleeping late. It made me feel weird. Mm -hmm. So um, we're always like, no, no, I hear the birds. We've got to go to bed. we got to go. Yes. But, yeah, so I get that. But there is an inherent feeling of safety that comes with daylight and mm-hmm. the break of dawn. And and there's that saying, you know, and I think it's it's a saying for a reason um, that, you know, everything looks better in the light of day. Yeah. And it's true. It's, it's you somehow feel like whatever the bad thing is that was after you, it just, it doesn't seem so bad mm-hmm. when, you know, when... 
when daylight's here. I don't yeah. know, when the sun is out. Yeah. It just So, yeah, so we've got that going for them, and they've escaped the place. It all seems it all seems like it's going in the right direction. Yes. And and I, I thought, I, I think if you're going to do the nihilistic ending, like you said, if you're going to, uh, as it was, unfortunately, snuff out the, the final girl, um, if, if that's how you're going to play it, I think you've got to play it right. You've got to do it. And I think this film did that. I think this film, um, it didn't just, just, you know, whack everybody, uh, per se, you know, they just call it good. Um, I think it did play it right the way it did. And I think that was good. Yeah, I'll go along with that. Yeah. I was, you know, overall, I was pretty happy with this yeah. movie. Um, I think I liked it more than Brian did. I think he at one point referred to it as a like a half-assed slasher film, and then he was just like, I really don't care. And I'm like, no, I like it. I yeah. I like that. I like that uh, the sense of man versus nature that we mm-hmm. get in the beginning, mm-hmm. where it's before the secondary element is introduced. You know, it's just them against the mountain. And then you discover that that's not the only thing they have to worry about. Right. I like that, and I thought there was a good a bit good bit of action. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed the characters enough. I particularly liked Chloe. Yes. So, uh, I was in it. You know, I in, enjoyed it all the way through, and I made the. I made the connection to the descent and it kind of does the same thing in the beginning it's them versus nature and then there's another element introduced and it becomes a whole other ball game that film is definitely superior and it is it is done much better but I think I, I kind of wonder if the people who made this film are fans of that film because yes. I can kind of see the elements there and, and that could be you know that could be it too you know I mean I think I think there's nothing wrong with saying, like, okay, this film was maybe in the mold, or it, it, maybe even it was ripping off, or however you want to say it. You, you, you can always say it's a, it's a derivative of. Um, I think it's okay to say that and say, you know what, I still like it. Maybe it, you know the other one was more original. I, I, I think that one did it more for me. But this one was still good. It still did what it was supposed to do, which it, 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 it made me afraid, and it made me root for people, and it made me excited and, 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 and sad about people dying. I think mm-hmm. I think it did what it was supposed to do, but I I agree. I haven't seen the descent, but but it sounds like um you know I I just seeing other things, thinking about like Wrong Turn, um thinking about uh, uh The Hills Have Eyes, those kind of films, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I think this film borrowed a lot from those as well. So especially when when things switched over, um from you know to to having the killer and the the, the mad woodsman, I felt like it was covering a lot of uh, uh you know I don't want to say well worn territory, but you know worn enough. Um, but I still think it did its job. It did what it was supposed to do, which I enjoyed. Yeah, I agree with that. And, and yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong either. I mean, this is uh, – one thing is if they did take inspiration from the, from the Descent, like I mentioned, mm-hmm. then I kind of like the fact that the Descent was all underground – Right. Because it was, they were spelunking, and this is completely the opposite. Yes. You know, so if that was in fact the inspiration for this, I really like it. I, I you know, they like it. I, they pretty much took it and turned it on its head. Mm-hmm. And I think that what you got here was a, a really good example of how nature itself can be just really frightening. And yeah. because I, I think that worked. I think throughout the entire first portion of this film, it really worked. You got some amazing views, but you also got some really good 
views of people dangling close to death mm-hmm. that I thought were pretty realistic. When Luke was on the bridge and he was frozen and you got the shots of him looking down, like you got the viewpoint of him looking down, I was putting myself in that situation. Yes. Thinking my, I would probably be like sitting on the board, scooting forward like Vern yes. in, in Stand By Me or something like that. Right. Or crawling across, you know. Well, I've had, I've had an experience not quite like that. Um, going out to, there's, um, in, in New Hampshire, there's this area called the Frankenstein Cliffs, which, um, was actually named after an artist whose last name was Frankenstein, but they, they, uh, that's what they call it, but um, and he liked to paint them. Um, and so you you have to to get to them to do the ice climbing. You have to walk across this uh, tr- uh, train bridge. Uh, it's like for a small cog railway that runs through the area for for scenic things. Um, but you have to cross that, and it gets up about forty feet high. Um, and so you know when, when the bridge goes over this big gorge area, it's about forty feet up. And um, there's uh, all there is for a railing is this kind of open like just like bar that goes you know kind of. Gets about, uh, you know, like uh, about armpit high, uh, but it's very open. You know, it's not like it's a, a, a graded one. And then you're walking across this grate because you don't want to walk on the train tracks because that's just, you know, you feel like you make a trip. But you walk across this grate part. Uh, so as you walk, you just kind of just have to grit it. You know, as my friend Mark doesn't care. He's not afraid of heights like that, so he doesn't care. So he's constantly, like, pointing things out to me as I'm trying to just grit it and go. And he's, like, <laughs> stopping. And, you know, it's like, don't stop. We need to just go. Um, and it, it, one time, it was, a, oh, it was horrible. One time we did it, um, it was Ice Fest, which Ice Fest is the big ice climbing fest that they have uh, every year in the White Mountains in New Hampshire. So we, we were doing it that day. He was taking me up this one called Bob's Delight. And um, I remember um, he was trying out these, these um, the, the way it works is you have your boots and then you put crampons on to be able to dig into the ice. And um, he was getting these uh, climbing ones that were specifically for ice climbing that had the integrated uh, crampons on them, which mean, meant you couldn't take the crampons off like we usually do. So he had to walk across these th- this grate with these like holes in it with his crampons. And he was like tripping every few steps. And I'm like watching him. It was like, oh, God, stop, tri-, you know, which was just mm-hmm. killing me. Um, and then we get to the other side and we're climbing. And um, I, lose my, I lost my ice axe. Something happened when I was climbing. I was waiting for something. And I had my ice axe. I thought I had it in enough. And it fell down. And it kind of fell down this hill. And it was way down. Um, so I'm way down kind of near the bottom of the, the, what that big gorge was. And um, I'm looking for the ice axe. A guy is crossing the same bridge that we just crossed. And he's just kind of hanging out. And he's pointing down to me. He's like, "Oh, I see your ice axe. It's right there." I'm like, "How are these people doing this? They just stand there like it's you know, I'm just gonna hang out at this, the top of the bridge, just point things out." So, so it is like just seeing that man cross that, knowing you know I was on a solid surface when I did it, and it was still it, it's still frightening. Like I I do not like to do any climbing on that one if I can help it, you know. But of course, again, Mark's like, "You just gotta do it a lot of times, and you'll get used to it." I don't think you get used to that. I think you either have that in you or you don't. Or maybe maybe if you're at a young age, you do it. I don't know. But um, so I, I felt for Luke for sure when I saw that. No, I've always uh, I agree with that. I, I think I don't think it's the kind of thing that you can just get used to. Maybe some people can if they're not as severely frightened. Right. Um, but as a kid, I used to love to climb up on the roof mm-hmm. and I would climb up on the roof of the garage and then we would my friend and I would get up there like we'd climb a ladder to get on top of the garage and we would sunbathe on top of the garage because mm-hmm. you know I guess we just really wanted cancer or something I don't know <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that was about but I used to love to do it and I would just be I would just be on the garage every second getting up there was fine 
but I would always have a little mini heart attack when it was time to to get down. Mm-hmm. And somehow, the next time I wanted to get up there, I would always forget that right. getting down was a bitch. But <laughs> but I've always had a really easy time going up high places that doesn't bother me but it's the descending high places that really freaks me out when i can when i can see down like when i can see how high off the ground i really am so that whole thing about just don't look down yes it's true yes um i get um there was this creek that we used to cross all the time as a kid and there was a fallen log that we would use as a bridge I could run across that thing as long as I looked straight ahead and just forgot about the fact that there was it rushing water and rocks beneath me. Mm-hmm. And when I say creek, it, was, it wasn't just like a little trickling creek. It was really deep, and there were some jagged rocks and, and quite a bit of water. But um, the, if, like if I was walking across, if I stopped for any reason, mm-hmm. if I looked down for any reason, then – I couldn't do it. Then I would have to sit down and scoot across, uh, scoot across the log because it would freak me out. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's weird. And we used to do it all the time. It never got any better. Right. <laughs> you know, I don't care how many times I did it. It yeah. never got good. Yeah. So it just wasn't the kind of thing that I can get, that I could get used to, you know, and being in that situation, I'd freeze. Yeah. I, know, I mean, I would just, I, I wouldn't be able to do it. Right, and and you see what happens when Luke freezes, right? He he puts stress on the bolts because again, right. this thing hasn't been serviced in however long it's been since they closed the trail down, so it's not being serviced. He's he's taking up time because he's on it, putting stress, and then, um, you know, Karen starts to go out to him. Chloe starts to go, you know, it causes a problem. That's why you you can't. Uh, it's it's Im- it's important to not be like Fred and try to drag people along on these things. You know, like Mark always jokes with me about um. There's a peak in Colorado. I think it's called Capital Peak. It's either Capital or, or Pyramid, um, and, but I, I think it's Capital. Um, to get to the, the the summit, you have to cross a a thousand uh, foot long knife's edge, which means like you can't really walk across it, right? It's so sharp along the top. Um, and he said, I, I can't remember if he said it's a three thousand or seven thousand foot drop down. But uh, you know, figuring that you are already up about twelve thousand feet. Either one of those will be. Either one's so. bad. Yeah, neither <laughs> one's good. So. Um, so he said that you would just scooch across it. You just get down on your butt, and you have to scooch across. And he always jokes, he's like, because he, he's he's a very crass individual, which is why we love him. You know, he's gonna be like, Poirier, you get up there on 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 that that knife edge on Capitol Peak. I'll show you that. You'll need a new set of drawers the moment you take a look at that thing. You know, <laughs> so it's, and I mean, but the thing is, like, when he tells me that he needed to get down on his butt and scooch across, the same guy who could stop and take a look over at the forty. You know, it tells you how bad that is. And I remember we were reading about another guy who hikes that peak. His name's uh, Gary Roach or. Uh, Jerry Roach, who's like the kind of the guru of the 14ers, um, is the guidebook and everything. The way he described to get across that knife's edge is you, you get your hand on the knife's edge part, hold on to your hand, and then walk your feet across. So you're kind of like hanging over the edge, walking yourself across it. Which <laughs> is like, I can't imagine anybody doing that. But yeah, I think it's, you know, like for me, I see 1,000 feet across, you know, th- uh, 3,000 feet down or so, whatever the number is. And I've got to scooch my butt across. I'm, I'm, I'm probably turning around and going back. You know, um, I don't know if I need the peak that bad. Um, yeah, because I mean, what I'm afraid of is that this is the thing: is I'm not is I'm not really afraid of the the obstacle itself right. because people have gone across it and they're fine. It's right. me yep. that I'm afraid of. Exactly. Because if I lose my nerve, I will freak out and fall. I yeah. mean, if you know, if I if I get inside my own head, 
then I will be the cause of my demise. Yeah. So it doesn't really, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's, I know my own limitations right. <laughs> and I know what I, what I would be capable of in, in specific situations like that. And so that's why I avoid them Yes. because exactly. I would end up killing myself because right. it just, it's, I can't do, and it's not the kind of thing. It's like, oh, just get over. It. And I was actually thinking about that yeah. when they were doing, when they were going across the bridge. I was just like, God, you know, I'm sure to to Fred, Luke probably looks kind of like a wuss because he's he's frightened and he's frozen and he can't do this. And and Fred's probably thinking, even though he never said it or anything like it, he was very supportive. But in his head, he's probably thinking, God, dude, just get over it, you know. Mm-hmm. And then I was thinking, you know, you can't. Like, if if you're the kind of person who can do this with no issue, you will never understand what it's like for the people who can't. Right. Who, who can't just get over it. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't make you any less brave Right. You know, because it's not the kind of thing that you can just buck up and do. I mean, it's, it's, you know, I don't, I, I can't, ex- but there's something just inside you and I don't think you can change that. No. And, you know, and it doesn't, I don't think it makes you a wuss. I, I think it just, because you could be just as powerful in a different situation. Um, like, you know, you might be okay with taking on a grizzly bear toe to toe, Yes. but put you a couple thousand feet above ground and you know your knees start to shake there's really nothing you can do about that you know and then I was just like god it's so hard because they don't understand it like if you if you don't have an issue with that you will never understand what it's like to have an issue with that I went through this whole thing in my head during that scene which to me is another indication that they did a good job because I'm having this whole conversation with myself inside my head because I am there with them while they're doing it and I'm feeling what they're going through you know yeah, it's 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 what I loved about this film is that Luke is supposed to be he's he's us even though he's not us right because he does some some really shady things that we would not do um, when when we're doing the hiking part he is us um, and and he's us in a lot of ways um, you know when 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 he's hanging on there and they keep telling him stop holding with your arms you've got to mm-hmm. rest back there I know what that's like when I first started climbing like you you do everything with your arms and like I remember uh, Karen told him to to stay on his feet or to to put his weight on his feet, you you don't think of that, right? You you mm-hmm. you you, you want to hold, you want to hold on to everything, you know. And and an uh, experienced climber knows where to put their feet so they don't put as much pressure on their arms. Um, they know how to find places to rest too. That when we look at that, we're like, oh my god, I could barely fit a, a, a toe there, um, and they can <laughs> rest there. But but so I thought they did a really great job of establishing that Luke is supposed to be the one that we identify with going through that part of it, and we can say, oh man, that's you know that's scary. Um, and so, like you said, you, you thought what Luke, you, you thought, you tried to imagine what Luke was going through. You were able to kind of identify. And I, I, that was something that I, I wrote down in my notes. I said, we're supposed to be Luke. And I, I really like that part of it. Mm-hmm. I do too. Yeah. Well, I, we've, we've already crossed the hour. This is not a bad deal. We, we, usually it's like a, about 10 minutes ahead of this that I, you know, we usually start the, uh, the process of uh, discussing um, what, what, we, what else we've got going on. But uh, hey, I, I think we did all right here. This one I don't think is quite Zombievers, um, but it's it's good enough to, to keep our streak going for sure. It's definitely – I think it's worth worth checking out. Um, I think the dubbing thing is something that you'll get over within 10 minutes or so. Yeah, I did. And, um, I mean, we both said it. We, we – both of us had issue with it in the very beginning, mm-hmm. and then it just – 
kind of fell away. Yep. It just was not no longer an issue for me. Yeah. So I would recommend this. I think that um, I think if you like any of the movies that <laughs> that were brought up during the discussion, then you should check it out. Yeah. And um, I think if you're a climber, you should check it out. Or mm-hmm. if you, I mean, you know, I I don't know. It's it's pretty good. I yeah. I was impressed with that. I was kind of worried we might lose our streak. Me too. But um. Yeah, that dubbing. You know, I think it, we're doing all right. We're doing all right. So we'll see what happens for next week. But before that, let's take a look at uh, what we've got going on. Again, I'm going to get it out of the way right away because again, it's a whole lot of nothing on my end. Uh, just just uh just the podcast right now. But um. Hopefully, uh, I don't know about the blog, when we'll get the blog going. Though I will say work has eased up a bit now, so um, so I'm hoping soon we'll get that going on. Um, but, Jamie, how about you? What have you been, what have you been up to? Well, um, the usual stuff. There's a new episode of Evil, Pod- Evil Podcast. Evil, there's a new episode of Evil Episodes out right now, and uh, we're going to be recording a new one later. But the one that's out now uh, has us talking about Killdozer, the TV movie that's right. from the 70s. And so that's out and available now. You should check that out. And um, this isn't exactly me, but I'm so proud that I have to mention it. Uh, Brian has a new book out. And this is for anyone who is a shape, a fan of shapeshifters, werewolves, um, really any kind of shapeshifter. This is a collection of stories about shapeshifters. And um, he's away, he's stepped away from Cthulhu Mythos for this one. This is pure horror. And it's from April Moon Books. And it's called Fleshlight Smoke. So it's available on Amazon now. Go check it out um, because he has brought together some really amazing authors, as usual, and some incredible stories. And if that piques anyone's interest out there, I just want to give that a little push because I'm, <laughs> I'm so proud of him. He works so yeah. hard, and um, he's so good at – at putting together anthologies, it's just it's amazing the the stories he's able to pull from people. They're all very original, all very interesting, and um, you know he has high standards for that. Like he won't just take anything, and so it's worth your time to check it out. So so also, now, oh, I would, before we move ahead, now if we go to Amazon, you just type in Brian Salmons. Uh, he has yeah, he does page. have he does have an author page on Amazon that you can check out there that'll bring up anything he's done, but you can go to um, if you want that book specifically, just type in Flesh Like Smoke, Flesh, okay, and it will bring that one up. Or you can go to the April Moon website. Uh, April Moon Books is okay. the publisher for that one, and that's a fairly new publisher. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was Brian's idea to do a werewolf anthology. Because the the name of the publishing company is April Moon, and so he's like, we kind of have to. Yes. So um, that was what that was born of. Um, So I recommend that. Check it out. And then just check out everything else from April. He's got another book from April Moon um, that came out a while back. So, um, yeah, so there's that little shameless plug, but I'm... Yeah. I'm proud of him. I can't of course, help it. Definitely. Plus, he's a big supporter of the show. So. Exactly. <laughs> and so we, we, it, it, he, more than more than right. It, it definitely uh, w- with all the support that he's done for us on the show, that there's no problem with giving him a little plug here too as well. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> with all we've put him through with our movies. <laughs> and really, I don't have a whole lot else going on. Um, I haven't been doing a lot of recording lately. Oh. So. So you're in my boat. Up. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I guess that's a 
good a place to leave it as Eddie then, Jamie. Um, I, again, I'm, I, I think I'm, I'm pretty stoked here. We're, we're three in a row here, so we'll see what happens next week with number four. Um, as always, everyone, um, you know, again, I've, I'm kind of been lax on getting the, uh, the podcasts onto the archive page on my, my site and getting on Facebook about that. So remember, you can always go to mattmovieguy.com if you're, you're not getting the episodes right away. You can check out the RSS feed, and, uh, and also you can always subscribe on iTunes. But uh, thank you all for listening. We'll check you out next week. Yep. Thanks, guys. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 